Say, we worship every day. We worship every day. We worship every day. Now, like Cindy shared just a moment ago, friends, this is, this is the forgotten key. This is the missing, the missing link, so to speak, in many of our Christian lives. Because we know how to make confessions. We got our little confession books, and I've written them and handed them out by the hundreds. This is what you say, you know. We, we know how to make prayers of petition as long as your arm, you know. And then we just kind of sit around and wait for stuff to happen. When's my stuff coming, Jesus? When's my stuff coming? When's, um, when's my ship coming in? Well, did you send one out? You know? <laughs> and uh, if you look at Bible history, you look at uh, church history, and you look at the greats of the faith that are our contemporaries today, there's one common thread throughout their lives and ministries is the art of worshiping God in the tough times. Yes. The art of worshiping God in the dark times. I mean, the, 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 the skill of, of being able to wake up the, the spiritual resources that God has already invested in you, that already lay dormant sometimes in, inside of us, and awakening these great spiritual forces that move mountains and change things by worshiping God. Say, worship the Lord. We worship every day. So to, that's, that's the theme that we're on for the next few weeks, the last few weeks until the Lord moves me on to something different is we worship every day. Glory! Praise the Lord. When I'm done with this one, I'm going to teach extensively on seed time and harvest. I'm going to teach you rigorously on how to sow seed, how to reap a harvest, how to build wealth. Amen. Am I in the right place here? I said, yeah. I said how to build wealth. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you handle money as a seed, you can make yourself wealthy, I said, in Jesus' name. I'm not talking about in warm, fuzzy feelings. I'm talking about in hard assets, liquid assets, investments, real wealth, real estate, glory, silver and gold if you're into that kind of thing. Praise the Lord. And not just so as you can hoard it up. But we are, what does it say over there on that uh, boost culture sign? We always remember that we are... Blessed to be a blessing. Friend, if you remember that one simple concept, you'll never run out. I said never run out. Woo-wee, I said never run out. You know? Amen. I mean, if you have more money, you can solve more problems for other people. Amen. I mean, you ever heard of mercy ships? And what does one of them ships cost? I don't know. Millions and millions, right? Is that doing any good for anybody? Right, if you have more money, you can help more people. Well, yeah, but I think money will corrupt you. If you're corrupt, yes, it will. Yeah. The Bible says that prosperity ruins a fool. Mm -hmm. But wisdom is greater than rubies and diamonds, and in her right hand is riches and honor. Mm -hmm. It's in the book. Read it. Uh, All your Bible heroes were rich, and not just a little bit. Well, I better be careful here. I'm going to get off on this subject here. All your Bible heroes were wealthy. I mean, influential. Kings feared them. They shook nations. They changed destinies. A poor man can't do that. The Bible says a poor man's words are not heard. Amen. With wealth comes influence. If you have, like, like, like Sandy taught us, if you have the right heart. If you have the right heart. If you're all about me, if you're all about what I can get, 
and then can all you get, <laughs> and then sit on the can. We're not talking about hoarding. We're talking about being a distributor. Right. We're talking to be, about being a conduit of blessing. God is looking for somebody in the, ch- in the church that is willing to be a conduit of God's blessing. And it's hard to find because most Christians preach against wealth. Most churches preach against wealth. They'll tell you, oh, that'll, that'll, that'll mess you up bad, boy. That'll mess you up bad. Chapter and verse. <laughs> Jesus wasn't broke. Did it mess him up? He had, he had a dude with a big sack of money chasing him all over town all the time. Did Jesus sin with that money? No. Buddy, if you leave a big sack of money out there in the parking lot and I find it, let's say some dope dealers, you know. I pull up here 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday to pray, and there's some dope dealers out here, right? They, they, they get scared because they see my big black truck, you know, and they think I'm going to shoot them or something. I might. All right. <laughs> They get scared and they drop a big sack of money. Is that dope money? Buddy, not if I get my hands on it, ain't no dope money. Huh? That's gospel money. Amen. And God can let me have some too. Amen. I mean, you know, if, if you're faithful. We put our giving first, I said. I said, we put our giving first. I'm just going to tell you something, you know. There's times, many times. I said, many times. When the whole offering that came into this church went out, Amen. Yeah, right. we, never, we never, took a, never kept a penny of it for ourselves. Amen. Do you see me up here crying about money? No. Never will. Because we, we, we put our giving first. I said first. And God looks at that heart and he says, you know, I believe I can bless that. Not because I'm somebody. I'm not. I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm not any smarter than anybody else. I'm not a better Christian than anybody else. But I put my giving first. I said first. I don't wait to see how much I got left over. I don't look at the circumstances. Many times we didn't have money for food. We didn't have money for rent. And we sowed anyway. And it just comes. And it just comes. I said it just comes. You got to get the fear off of you. You got to get the um, El Cheapo spirit off of you. Amen. Say glory to God. <laughs> God's not going to run out of money. Uh-uh. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. All the taters under him. Amen. All the oil wells under him. All the, the Bible says the hidden riches of the dark places of the earth belong to the Lord. And you're his favorite kid. He likes you. And as we grow up and learn how to steward these resources, there's no limit. I said zero limitations. On your ability to uh, uh, distribute and accumulate wealth. God wants to make the heathen jealous by the wealth that you accumulate effortlessly, I said. I said effortlessly. I said sweatless victory. What did Adam have? Everything. What did he do to get it? Nothing, honey. Didn't lift a finger, did he? That made the devil really mad, didn't it? Hmm? Well, you're the same way. You're in the same situation. Amen? Just, it's about seed time and harvest. There is power in a seed that is absolutely unlimited, like Sandy showed us in that piece of paper. The Bible talks about the hundredfold return, in case you're wondering what that piece of paper was. You fold that thing and fold that thing. We've always kind of just multiplied by 100. It's not 100 times, it's 100-fold. That is exponential increase. That's what God has in mind for you. 
if you can sow a seed. You eat your seed, you kill your future harvest, I said. Come on. That's your next tattoo. I will not eat my seed. <laughs> Glory to God. Living from the inside out. Say living from the inside out. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Increase the brightness. Well, that helps. Look at that. All right. Living from the inside out. John chapter 4, verse 7, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so smart. Thank you, sister. There comes a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Notice they weren't going to the city to beg or borrow. That's they went to buy. There's a whole gang of these guys. They said, we got to go to the next town to buy meat or food for this big army of people that was traveling with Jesus. Amen. They went to buy lunch. He said to the woman of Samaria, unto, um, then said the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that you, being a Jew, are asking drink from me? I'm a woman of Samaria. In other words, the Samaritans were considered half-breeds. Half Jew, half heathen. They weren't accepted by the heathens. They weren't accepted by the Jews. They're outcasts. Misfits. Sound familiar? <laughs> she says, because the Jews don't have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that said to you, Give me something to drink, you would have given me something and I... You would have asked me for something, and I would have given you living water. Next, please. The woman said to him, sir, you don't got nothing to dip in this well with. It's awful deep. Where are you going to get living water from? <laughs> are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? What's the answer to that rhetorical question? I think so, honey. Yeah, just hang on tight here. Watch a little. <laughs> Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I'm going to give him shall never thirst. Say never thirst. You got a well, a fountain of life in you that will never run dry. Woo! Come on. Now say never run dry. Say I'll never run out. I'll never run out of joy. I'll never run out of peace. I'll never run out of prosperity. I'll never run out of strength. I'll never run out of wisdom. I'll always know what to do at the crossroads of life. Because the greater one lives in me. Springing up into everlasting life. Next, please. And the woman said unto him, Sir, <laughs> I'll take some of that water. That, that, so that I don't ever have to get thirsty again. I don't have to come here to draw water again. Next. Jesus said, um, go uh, call your husband and come here. <laughs> he is reading her mail here, boy. And the woman answered and said, I don't have no husband. Jesus said to her, that's the truth, woman, when you said you ain't got no husband. Because you already done had five. And the fellow you're with right now ain't your husband. Because there's been no, no decision made about, our, you know, not necessarily was there a ceremony, but there was no decision. Say amen. amen. I mean, you know, what, what, what if you're in a, in a place where you couldn't find no preacher? If there's a decision, 
and a covenant and a promise between a man and woman, that's what, that's what makes you husband and wife. It's nice to have a ceremony for, for your kin folks and for the community. We want to celebrate with you. Amen. The woman said, sir, I think you might be a prophet. <laughs> well, there might, just might be a prophet. She says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, but you Jews say that we got to worship up there in Jerusalem. Hmm. See how she's getting religious here? She wants, to, she wants some answers to some of these questions that have divided her from God's people. She's already divided because of her status as a woman that's had five husbands, and now she's living with a guy, and it's not really, you know, I mean, the community has not accepted or recognized this union, so she feels like an outcast. She feels like a misfit. You follow me? And now in the religious world also she feels like she's not accepted. You know, you guys say i got to worship here and I'm down here and I can't go to Jerusalem. I can't even be accepted in the, whole, in the temple because I'm a half-breed. It's in the book. Read it. Yeah. It's in the law of Moses. To ten generations they were not allowed in, in, the, in, the, in the temple. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When it don't matter if you're worshiping here in this mountain or in Jerusalem, how you worship the Father. It's not going to matter where you do this. See, the Old Testament, there's things in the Old Testament that were for the Old Testament era. There's some things in there for, for eternity. Like, don't murder. That's still in effect in case you're wondering. Do not commit adultery. That's, that has not passed away. Right? But... Aren't you glad you don't have to appear in Jerusalem three times a year, young men? That's right. That's in the book. Yeah. You had to. And you had to create, a, you had to do an animal sacrifice three times a year. Well, the Apostle Paul, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, you know, I hadn't been to Jerusalem for 17 years. He's talking to the Galatian church. He says, I am as you are. Be like I am. Did he love the Lord? Was he uh, still anointed? Was God's favor and blessing still on him? Yes. Even though he wasn't observing the law of Moses, the Levitical laws of Moses, some of that passed away for, uh, especially for the Jewish people. And all of it, you know, we never, we, I never had a chance to, to, uh, to keep the law or to be an observant Jew. I know some, uh, I knew an old boy, you know, pretty much redneck, you know. And I saw him in church many years ago. He's just, a, he's just an old redneck dude, man, with a pickup truck and a flannel t-shirt and a big, long, scraggly beard, you know. He was no more Jew than I'm Japanese airline pilot. <laughs> and I saw him a few years after that, and he's got a yarmulke and a, a, a prayer shawl. And now he's claiming to be a Messianic Jew. I said, homie, 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 whoa, 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 what's up here? What are you smoking, bro? Hmm? You gotta lay up, you just gotta stop burning the tree, you know, or something. What's going on here? No, I'm a messianic Jew now. I said, dude, you're high. There's no way. I talked to a rabbi one time about this kind of stuff. And he says, You might as well forget it. You got no chance. You might as well not even try to be an observant Jew. You do not have a chance. Works for me. Praise the Lord. Because I have Jesus. And he fulfilled the law for the likes of you and me that had no chance. And he welcomed us to his communion table. I mean, with no restriction. You know, when God makes you rich, what makes other people mad is not that you got it, but it's how you get it. Because you get it sweatless. You get it effortless. 
You get it by sowing seed and reaping a harvest. In the world, they want you to get it with your own wits and through their system. Jesus said, you're in the world, but you're not in their system. You know, uh, Jesus is speaking. He says, you, uh, can you go back a verse, please? 21. Jesus said to her, woman, the time's coming when it won't matter if you worship, Jesus, worship God here or there. Next, please. We, excuse me, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. In other words, at that time, the priesthood was in effect for the Jewish people. Next, please. But the hour coming, and now is, when the true worshipers, here we go. We worship every day. The true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Not in ceremony and religion and an outward appearance and trying to and trying to appease an angry god and trying to impress your 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 friends and family <laughs> it don't matter what they think about you it don't matter what they think about your church or your preacher or your religion or the lights you got or the curtains you hang or none of that what matters is are you worshiping god in spirit and in truth for the father is looking for those that are going to worship him this way say amen, amen. next please God is a spirit. Watch carefully. If you go get in those nasty self-help books at the checkout line at King Supers, they'll tell you that God is a universal mind. Bull shrapnel. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Next, please. Oh, that was the end of my thing, huh? She's so sharp. How do you worship God in spirit and in truth? Ephesians chapter 4, please. In the NLT. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Why do you do it? And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. Not to make you feel better. Not to give you an awesome, entertaining worship experience. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. We put an awful lot of effort into that. But that's not the purpose. The core purpose, my job, is to equip you to do God's work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ, ringing just a little bit. Next, please. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature. How long is this going to continue? Until we grow up. What is going to continue? There's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Now some say there's no more apostles. They're all passed away in the New Testament age. Bologna sandwiches. There's apostles today. This will continue, he said, till we grow up. Next, please. Then we will no longer be mature. We're talking about worshiping God in the spirit. You got to grow up. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to grow up, man. Come on, honey, you got to grow up a little bit here. Come on. We won't be immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Ooh, did you hear? 
I heard this guy on YouTube saying, blah, 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 blah. Ah. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Better watch it, friends. Better watch it. Better watch it. Better stay close to the center of God's will. Better stay close to, to where you've been connected to the body. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Sometimes i got to say stuff you don't want to hear. If, if everything I say is exactly what you want to hear, why am I here? Selah. <laughs> Growing in every way more and more like Christ who is ahead of his body, the church. He makes the whole body, fitly, uh, uh, body fit together perfectly as each part sits there in air-conditioned comfort. As each part does its special what? Work. work. Say work, brother. Work, sister. Come on now. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy. This is worshiping God in the spirit. Healthy and growing full of love. Next, please. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live, don't be living like the Gentiles do. Careful. Be careful that you don't emulate their lifestyle. Envy their possessions. Adopt their attitudes. Mimic their speech patterns. For they are hopelessly confused. Next, please. Their minds are full of darkness. He's talking about people that aren't saved. On your phone. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Is it? Uh, Not at this church you don't. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. All right. There's some effort that you have to exercise to get rid of the junk that has attached itself to you in, in life's journey. He says, you got to throw this stuff off. Well, God, I wish you'd take these, these, these cigarettes from me. He, what's he going to do with them? He don't smoke. <laughs> you got to do something about it. You got to make a decision, and then the power of God is going to start working. Throw it off. And listen, here, this is what I told a brother yesterday it's not just quitting all this stuff you got to replace it replace it with the word of god the word of god is way more powerful than nicotine i know what i'm talking about nobody ever loved it more than i did throw it all off it's corrupted by lust and deception instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes now listen carefully this is what i want to get to in the king james it says be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He's talking about on a deep spiritual level. Now, if I use uh, some academic language, you will understand, most of you will understand instantly what I'm talking about. If I say, you got to be renewed spiritually, guys, you're like, sounds good. Amen. When's lunch? Come on. (laughs) But if I say on a subliminal level, if I say you have to reprogram your mind at the root of your thought patterns. If I say you have to reprogram your mind 
on a subconscious level. That means you do it without thinking about it. Your subconscious mind is so powerful. Have you ever noticed you can, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't recommend you do this, but I, you know, you're driving down the street and you're texting, <laughs> right? And you know where to turn anyway, and you know where all the traffic lights are and everything, right? All right, let's use a different example, okay? <laughs> you drive to church and you're listening to your favorite song on, on, the, on the radio. That's a little bit better, isn't it? And you get so lost in that music. If I asked you when you got to, to your destination, do you remember using your turn signal at these 16 turns you made? Do you remember shifting gears? Do you remember checking your blind spot? Do you remember any of that? No. Because your subconscious mind takes over because you've been driving for so long. You can do it on a subconscious level. Your subconscious mind is, is, is so powerful. It makes your heart beat. Without you thinking about it. When you go to sleep at night, you don't have to tell yourself, now don't forget to breathe, homie. Right? <laughs> Digest that food. <laughs> no, your subconscious mind keeps working and working and working. He's saying, reprogram your mind on a subconscious level. Brother, this is good, solid Bible teaching. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do you do it? you got to get the Word of God at the foundation of your personality. I can tell you this is why I am the way I am. I took my tapes back in the day that had something called cassette tapes. Right? They'd play and then they kind of go... You had to take it out and whack it on the dashboard and try it again. I listened to... You know how many tape players I wore out? I mean, I reprogram my mind on a deep, deep, deep level. I think differently. I react to situations differently. You should not be, every time something happens, and it's going to happen. I don't care what church you go to. I don't care how much faith you have. You live in a fallen world. You're surrounded by wickedness. There's going to be things that are going to happen. I'm not pronouncing curse on you. I'm saying we live in a wicked world, and there's going to be opportunities to use your faith. We should not fall apart like a $2 watch every time something happens to us. Glory to God. We should be able to say, well, you know what? I mean, I got Jesus. What? What do you want to do about it, devil? What you got? You ain't got nothing but lies. That's all you got. I have the word of God. I have the spirit of the living God in me. The creator is in me. You cannot, I cannot be defeated. I will not be defeated. Yeah, but you, you have no idea what I've been through. I say this lovingly as I possibly can. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care, <laughs> I don't care what you've been through. The Bible says we all suffer similar temptations in this life. It's in the book. First Peter. I think it's chapter 4, verse 1, something like that. The devil wants you to make, make you think that you're in some unique temptation that nobody has ever been through ever before. Poor old you. Don't ever feel sorry for yourself. Reprogram your mind at the deepest level toward the slightest hint of self-pity. When it approaches you, you eradicate it. Like cockroaches trying to get in, come on, trying to get in your refrigerator. 
Would you allow that? Would you just kind of tolerate that? Well, you know, they got to eat too, I guess, right? No, you do something about it. You might even get mad, and that's okay. Sometimes anger is an appropriate response. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, I got a lot more here to preach on here. I've got... Let me just address a couple of points here, and then we'll, get, we'll go have lunch, all right? <clears throat> walking, uh, excuse me, worshiping God in the Spirit or walking in the Spirit means honoring God on a subconscious level in everything we do all the time, every day, not just when we're in church. Ask me, I'll send you these notes. Worshiping God in the Spirit means walking by faith. When you're walking by faith, you must eliminate phoniness. I'm not getting the amens I thought I would get on that one there. When we're walking by faith, we must eliminate phoniness. Listen. (laughs) Somehow we have put ourselves in a barbed wire entanglement, and we call it faith, where we can't talk about our problems. We can't admit we have a problem. Right. We can't share with anybody anything about nothing. That's baloney. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you broadcast your problems to everybody all the time. But if, every, if all of your answers are, you know, I'm too blessed to be stressed, and then you get in the car and cry like a baby. Yeah, right. You got all the cliches, right? Yeah. But you have no spiritual strength yeah. to withstand the attacks of the enemy. Yeah. Not just withstand, but repel. You shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be just trying to play defense all the time with the devil's attacks. You should turn it around and say, I'll tell you what, devil, I'm going to whoop you today. Today's your day. I'm taking you to the woodshed today. Amen. I mean, you've got to train him some, don't you? You, want, you? you can try that on me. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute here. I'm a child of God. You're nothing. I said in Jesus' name, don't you ever try that on me again. Come on, you got to get mad. Sometimes anger is an appropriate response. Eliminating phoniness. Eliminating hypocrisy. Eliminating this double life that Christians live. Where you show one face to your Christian friends. Be sweet, Pastor. Be sweet here, Pastor. Be nice. Be nice to God's people. Be sweet to the sheep. Don't beat the sheep here, Pastor. Amen. Show one face to your Christian friends. And another face to everybody else. That ain't okay. Yeah. That is not okay. Yeah. You should be the same person at church as you are at home. Yes. Why not? Well, I got to I got to put on my I got to put on my good church face, and then I can't wait till church is over so I can let my hair down, and be yeah. be my real self. Well, who are you being over here? Right. <laughs> Just go ahead and be you. I mean, it's, you're not fooling anybody anyway. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I said you're not fooling anybody anyway. Right. Worshiping God in the Spirit means walking in love. Come on, friends. Come on. Yeah. If you're going to worship God, you're going to walk in love. You're going to be programmed at a deep subconscious level to give love response. And what if I blow it? You will. Trust me. Maybe this week. I don't know. Maybe today. I don't know. But it's how you get back on that. On that horsey that throwed you. Amen. You're going to blow it. I blow it. That's my wife. Better not. No. <laughs> I blow it sometimes. We're going to blow it. But when you walk in love, it guides you back onto the right path. Say amen, please. So when you're worshiping God, you're going to walk in the Spirit. You're going to walk in love. 
You have, we have, you and I, we must address selfishness. I said selfishness. You cannot be a selfish individual and walk in love at the same time. Boy, I wish I had three more hours to expound on that. Friend, and it's, it's incremental. You know, I mean, you gots to eat, you gots to sleep, right? You got to take care of yourself, right? So don't say, well, pastor says I can't be selfish, so, uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to get down to the, to the church without taking a shower today. I'm not going to use deodorant. That's not what I'm talking about. Get yourself cleaned up. Right? <laughs> and then serve God, right? Come on, don't be crazy. But if we're always trying to change other people, if we're always using our faith to try to change other people, if we're manipulating other people to get our way, this is a deep root of selfishness that must be reprogrammed. You've got to use the virus uh, uh, extractor from the program and get rid of the root of selfishness. Friends, come on. It's going to take some effort. He says, throw off the old man. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen by accident. And you don't arrive in this lifetime. But we reprogram ourselves to walk in love. And when we see this, this wicked selfishness raise its ugly head, and then that root might be there in your flesh. It's not in your spirit. It might be in your soul that has not been reprogrammed yet. You got to do something about it. I can't do it for you. Jesus won't do it for you. You got to do it. He says, you have to put off the old man with his ways. Can you give me just a minute or two more? Worshiping God uh, in the spirit means walking in love, addressing selfishness. That means you got, we have to get rid of a critical spirit. If we're always focusing on what other people are doing that ain't right, we're not walking in love. That's pure garden variety selfishness. If we're critical of others, and it's a, it's a habit, and you got to get rid of that. Yes. We gots to. I gots to. Usins got to get rid of this. Always criticize. I'll always criticize other people. Yep. It is so easy to do. Yeah. And it requires zero creativity right. to be a critic. Zero. It takes a lot more creativity and spiritual strength. And it takes more of a, of a heart that wants to worship God to look at people that drive you nuts and find something good in them. <laughs> get rid of the critical spirit the problem focused the problem focused program the problem focused attitude remember it said there in the NLT get, let God change our hearts and attitudes some of us have this attitude that we always default to the problem program yeah but my problem yeah, but my problem, I gotta, I gotta get to the root of my problem. No, you, you, your problem is not the problem. Your problem is a lack of the Word of God in that area of your life. If we are problem focused, problems can become idols. Praise the Lord. I don't care what your problems are, I don't care if you're in jail. I don't care if the doctor says you've got to die this afternoon. You can walk in peace and walk in joy. Yes. Amen. Yeah. yeah, but you don't know what I'm... You're problem focused. That problem has become an idol and it's bigger than God in your heart and in your mind. Yeah. 
to some of us, you know, the problem is a great big gigantic thing and God's a little puny feller. Have you heard the song? Um, you're bigger than I thought you were. You need to, you need to look that up. I played that song about 50 times last week. God is way bigger than we thought he was. And he is way bigger than your problems. Can you say amen? amen? And when we reprogram ourselves, when we learn to worship God in the worst of times, we're going to find that he is way bigger than that problem. <laughs> way bigger. You may stand up. God bless you.